Hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. And as you might be able to tell already, this is another uh, Mike Drives to Work episode. But I I just uh, got out of a advanced press screening for Top Gun Maverick the other night. And I thought it would be a good idea to, to kind of share some of my thoughts and, and give kind of a, a non-spoiler review here as I drive to work. And it's, it's interesting, not, not to tangent like right off the bat, but it, I don't know what it says. And I do think it's odd that like the most creatively satisfying podcasts I've recorded recently are ones where I'm just talking to you while I'm driving in the car. Um, so maybe that, that, that's something I'll look into in, in the future. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, existential dreadcast and talking about, uh, what was it? Book of Boba Fett. Anyway, it's, uh, these, these are just kind of fun and it kind of helps me, uh, pass the time and, and gets content to you. Um, speaking of, I, uh, also real quick, um, I, I want to thank everybody for their outpouring of support, uh, of the existential dreadcast. Uh, you know, I, I've had, uh, more than a couple folks, uh, reach out to me, uh, uh, specifically, uh, Anthony from tfu.info and the guys from the Cracktastic Plastic podcast, um, all, uh, uh, wrote me very nice things, um, uh, about that episode. So I'm really glad that it resonated, uh, with folks and, um, uh, just, uh, uh, wellness check. I'm, I'm doing a lot better this week and, um, yeah, just, I, I, I think I'm kind of back on, on the right path. So, but uh, again, I, I, I have the, the best friends in the world and I could not be more thankful, uh, for your support. So, but let's, uh, let's talk about movies. All right. So, uh, like I said, I, I, uh, we're talking about Top Gun Maverick, the uh, eagerly awaited question mark uh, a sequel to, of course, the the 1986 classic, and I, you know, go, going into the movie, I haven't really had a whole lot of expectations. Like even over like the last three years of delays, you know, th- this movie was originally supposed to come out in uh, July of 2019. And then ran into some production delays, uh, you know, good old-fashioned production delays, and then ran into Rona delays. Um, so, you know, it hasn't been delayed as many times as, as uh, Morbius, but um, th- there was a time where I'm like, is this movie actually coming out? Because it, it's been it's been done and on the shelf for two years. So, um, the, the the first thing I'll say is that it is absolutely worth the wait. I, uh, I liked this movie quite a bit. I had an absolute blast with it. So I want to get that out there right off the bat, just so you know where I'm, where I'm coming from. Um, but expectation wise, I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't really think to expect anything because while I am a eighties kid and Top Gun is definitely in that echelon of, classic 80s movies and has a lot of like the uh, uh, rock and roll music video uh, vibe and aesthetic to it as say like Rocky IV um, or you know other, other types of movies of the era I um, I like Top Gun but I'm not the biggest fan of it and I don't revisit it often 
and I'm not one of the guys that can quote it deep. Like I, I, I know folks, and I'm sure you do as well, that that can quote chapter and verse, like deep technical talk. Like you know, I I know you know I feel the need the need for speed, or like you know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, permission to buzz the tower. Negative, the pattern is full. You know that kind of like. You know, I, and, and I think that's kind of why folks like Top Gun and like quoting it because the, there is that little bit of techno babble, the like you know uh, uh, technical military terms and speak that I think uh, I think connects with folks. Um, but it, it was it was never my favorite. I think it's fine. In fact, actually, I I think it's a little slow, um, and I think folks forget that. Um, so going into Top Gun Maverick, I was just expecting like a solid Tom Cruise movie and I got exactly what I wanted. It delivers. It is a worthy sequel and I think it actually surpasses the the original in that it's a it's a real movie. Like I mean again like the the original kind of oscillates from being a music video to being kind of slow like again I, I think we all kind of forget how how much time we're just spending at school and doing class it's it's half a high school movie uh, practically just in the in the execution of it um, and, and there's some of that here in uh, Top Gun Maverick oh by the way uh, uh, this review completely spoiler free uh, there are specific details that I could spoil, but since it's not uh, a, a Marvel movie or based on a comic book or a video game, you know, so there aren't like the plethora of Easter eggs and cameos and all of this stuff that, that could be discussed in, in a more exhaustive, spoiler-filled episode, so I think I can hit on on the broad points uh, without really getting into the details and the minutiae here, but um, but but again, it's like I, I was expecting a solid Tom Cruise movie that's exactly what I got. It moves at a really good clip. It, it clocks in at just over two hours, I want to say like two hours and six minutes, and, and, it, and it moves. It's, uh, it, it doesn't feel draggy even when there are scenes with uh, you know with with the classroom stuff and things like that, so so basically what what, what the story of it is is uh, there there is a threat that must be addressed by the military, so they gather the best of the best of the best, you know, kind of uh, uh, recalling previous graduates of Top Gun, um, and they. They bring in Maverick to basically uh, teach the new batch of kids, you know, kind of, uh, you know, show them the ropes and and uh, put together this mission so that um, America wins. Yay. Yay, America. Um, so it, it does have the military propaganda uh, feel of the first one. Um, so, but like... Who is this movie for? So the the for me at least the in my opinion this movie is for fans of the original. If you are a fan 
and like Top Gun the First is your religion, you will be satisfied. There is uh, there is plenty here. It is, I think, I may have to reflect on this more, but to me, this, this is the type of legacy sequel that uh, they, they, they finally cracked the code and got the formula right. I don't think that this is a handoff movie in the in the say that like uh, Star Wars Force Awakens was, you know, meaning like you bring in the original legacy cast, but you also bring in an equally prominent young new cast. And essentially what the old cast is there to do is to pass the baton onto the new kids and then they go off and have their adventures and sequels. This movie is called Top Gun Maverick. So it is it is it is about Tom Cruise and it is about the Maverick character and it's about what he's been doing in the time since the original movie. Um, you know, why is he still a captain? Why has he not uh, uh, seen promotion? Why does he still risk his life? Why is he still a, a fighter pilot stick jockey uh, at, at this point in his life? And how can he interact with a changing military landscape? Um, you know, th there's there's a subplot about you know the need for uh, real pilots when drones are a thing. So I I think it it, it addresses those things in a way that kind of the latter-day Mission Impossible movies work. I think that Tom Cruise, uh, as as he kind of moves into this elder phase of his career, and I and I say that with a smirk because the the dude looks like he's still walked out of like 1986. I don't know if it's like the Thetons or the HGH or uh, the, the Scientology or what, but the, but the, the dude does not age. I wonder if, it, if it's like clone robots or something like that and he's just like transferring consciousnesses over like a real Arnim Zola situation. I really don't know, but he, he looks great. There, there's a there, there, there's a football scene where he's running around shirtless and it's just like, damn, Tom Cruise. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I really can't explain it or understand it, but this is a dude that understands the craft of filmmaking and more to that movie making me, me, meaning like pop movie making, you know, the difference between quote unquote film and quote unquote movie. Um, Tom Cruise understands how to make a good, fun movie, and he rarely disappoints. And so this this uh, this movie was directed by uh, I, I don't have the guy's name in front of me. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he's the dude that worked with Tom Cruise on Oblivion, a movie that I don't especially like, but it's fine. Um, he also directed Tron Legacy, which is a movie that every few years I rewatch, hoping I will like it, and then I'm always disappointed. Um, I mean, the 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 soundtrack is phenomenal. The uh, visual aesthetic is incredible, but there ain't a lot of movie there. Um, and, and I don't know if it's because of his directing or the performances or whatever. I don't want to litigate that here now, but, um, 
I think Tom Cruise has reached a point in his career where he's decided that there's a couple directors that he likes working with. One is this guy, the other one being uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who's uh, directed the last half dozen Mission Impossible movies. And I think it's a thing where it's... Um, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of Kevin Costner a little bit, in that, like, any movie that Kevin Costner stars in, he's basically co-directing, if not taking over entirely. And I think that's what some of this is with, with both this Top Gun Maverick and the Mission Impossible movies. I think Tom Cruise has found a director that he can work with to help execute his vision but still have somebody else in the director's chair and to have that directed by credit, which is fine given the results. I like those Mission Impossible movies quite a bit, and I like this Top Gun Maverick quite a lot. Um, it is it is a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I also like, and I mentioned this earlier, I, I like that it's not tethered to a franchise. It's a sequel, but it's not like part 23 or whatever. This movie is very approachable. Like I, I talked about earlier, who is this movie for? It's, um, it, it's, it's for folks that want a good, solid action movie that, um, one, you, you, you can bring you, your kids to, um, I mean, yes, there's, there's some terrific aerial combat scene and there are themes that are, that are probably a little tense for like little, little kids, but I, I was, um, I, I was eight years old in, in 1986. Um, I, I don't remember when Top Gun came out, if it was before or after Transformers, the movie. No, it was before. What am I talking about? It came out like in, uh, May, like the, the summer, I think, because Top Gun was still like in the top five at the box office in August when Transformers the movie came out. So, yeah, duh, ne never mind. So I was seven. Um, I didn't turn eight till September. Um, anyway, I, I, you know, so, like, it, it was a little over my head, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's fun enough. But, um, but no, like, th this Top Gun Maverick is very approachable. Do you need to have seen the first one? No. Do you need to re-watch the first one if, if it's been a hot minute? No. Because what I think this movie is very successful at is, one, it gives you everything you need, either through uh, dialogue or outright flashbacks. There are, there are a handful of flashbacks, but it gives you everything you need to be able to enjoy the movie. Um, sure, if you want to give the first one a day in court, uh, I, I'm not going to stop you. I'm just, I'm just saying that you don't, you don't necessarily need it. And for me, I can't remember the last time I watched Top Gun. Probably like when they released it in 3D. Um, I watched that. The 3D conversion on that is, is, is not especially good. Um, but I think that Top Gun Maverick works best as a sequel to your memory and perception of what Top Gun is, not actually what the movie Top Gun was. You know, everybody remembers like like the 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 dogfights and the jets, and people forget about like that that saggy middle portion where where we're just spending a lot of time in class. 
So it's, um, yeah, I mean, and so for me, the movie is superior to the first one in that, um, and that, that it just, it, it moves so much faster. It's, it's faster, more intense. There's, there's a lot of, uh, all killer, no filler. Um, so I want to talk about the cast, um, a bit as well. Um, uh, again, Tom, Cru- Tom Cruise is really great in this being Tom Cruise. Um, uh, Jennifer Connelly is the love interest. And, uh, I, uh, <laughs> uh I, I don't mean to be a creep, but I, I have had a crush on Jennifer Connelly as far as I can remember. Like, um, sure, The Rocketeer, obviously, but I go even further back to a little movie called Opportunity Knocks about, uh, about, uh, uh, teenagers trapped in a Target, uh, overnight, which was interesting for me because as a kid, there, there were no Targets in the, uh, Seattle area yet. Um, so it was, it was like an exotic location. Ooh, Target. But anyway, I've, I've always had a thing for Jennifer Connelly and she, um, she is an age appropriate smoke show in this movie. And, um, you, you rock those mom jeans, Jennifer Connelly, but no, I, I think, I think she's a good foil for Tom Cruise. And I think they're, they have legitimate chemistry and it's not, um, it's not a creepy age gap either. Like I, I think, I think she's 51 and I think he's 59. So there's like a eight year, uh, difference, which I, I don't think is an inappropriate, um, age gap. Uh, Kelly McGillis was not asked to return. And I, I saw an interview with her like a while ago, I think back when the movie was originally going to come out back in 19. And she was like, you know, look at me, you know, I, I, um, uh, you know, so she had, she has a certain degree of self-awareness and, you know, she was significantly older than Tom Cruise at the time. And yeah. And, and again, I don't, I don't want to be uh, sexist ageist or whatever, but I think she, I think Kelly McGillis is an actual senior citizen now. I think she's like in, in her mid to late sixties. So, um, yeah, I, I think that just, uh, that, that just wouldn't be a good fit. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't know what that says about the Hollywood system and how they, they, um, the, the disparity w- between, um, actresses, veteran actresses are treated versus, uh, veteran actors. Um, that's, that's a, that's a societal challenge for, uh, for a different day. Uh, but you also got, uh, Miles Teller as, as kind of like the leader of the new kids. He, uh, he plays Goose's son and I, I, I haven't seen Miles Teller in a whole lot. Like, um, I know he kind of has a reputation for being prickly and for, you know, being a jerk and an asshole. And I don't, I, I haven't really dug much into it. He's pretty good in this. And, you know, with, uh, with that push broom mustache, he really kind of is a spitting image of Anthony Edwards. And he's pretty good in this role. And he has, um, a good, uh, amount of tension and friction with Tom Cruise. I think they play off each other, um, uh, very well. Um, but with, with the, the new kids, um, there, I, I, I appreciate the diversity and inclusion. There are women, 
there are uh, uh, diverse races, and it's it, it's it's a really good mix, and it and it's kind of refreshing when like you know 36 years ago, uh, everybody in Top Gun is is a white man. So you know it, it's it, it's um, it, it's it, it's good to see, and it doesn't feel forced. Like I I appreciate diversity and inclusion. But I have enough of those occasionally grouchy, curmudgeon-y Gen X tendencies, late late stage Gen X tendencies, where I don't necessarily have a lot of. Um, I, I'm not into virtue signaling, and I'm not into um, diversity casting being forced down your throat figuratively. Um, I, and and maybe that's uh, too big of a topic to explore here, but like maybe that's hypocritical on my part, and I need to explore that. But like, I on one hand I say I like diversity and inclusion, but I also don't like it when it's being pushed in my face, and that's like the actual agenda. Like you know we we are going to you know spin the wheel of inclusion and tick this bingo card just for the sake of it. I think that that is in, I, I think that's a disservice to true uh, representation because it, it, it should be organic and natural. So at a time where they're showing a class of previous Top Gun graduates and, and um, there's a wide swath of representation, to me, that is realistic and organic for what the landscape of the current uh, military represents. You know, it's more representative of the population, and I and I think I think that's great. But also, though, the um, the other the the characters I'm talking about aren't really fleshed out. They aren't really characters. Like, you know, they, they have, they have call signs and like, you know, one note characterizations and things like that, but they're not really characters. They're not really developed. And they're, they're kind of, they're kind of a bunch of NPCs, like uh, non-playable characters in a, in, in a video game. Um, which is fine because I mean, it, it, it pads out the cast. Um, and, you know, makes the cast feel fuller and you need folks to go on the mission, um, you know, and, and you need folks to be in the classroom for Maverick to teach. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about it, but if this was a handoff movie, I think these characters would be a little more developed. Uh, but, uh, it, the sign says Top Gun Maverick. Um, I also, uh, oh, uh, but in particular though, there, there was one of those folks that kind of stuck out is, uh, a actor named Glenn Powell, who I, I am not familiar with this dude's work as, as well, but he's kind of like the replacement for, he's kind of like an amalgamation of Val Kilmer's Iceman character and top and, uh, Tom Cruise's, uh, Maverick character. Um, dude's a prick. I mean, he, he is, he is... Um, he is hot stuff and he knows it. So he's your, your typical arrogant prick character, but I think he plays it very well. And he has a very punchable face, uh, which, which you want for that kind of character. And I think he does it, um, uh, very well. Uh, John Hamm's in this movie as well as, uh, you know, as, as, uh, uh Lieutenant Hardass. 
um, you know, and, and, you know, he's just a grump giving Maverick the business all the whole time. Uh, he, he's the resident non-believer of, uh, bringing Maverick into this, uh, mission. Uh, but he's, uh, he's paired off with, uh, Lewis Pullman, uh, who is kind of like, um, uh, hard apple adjacent, but, but still like, but, uh, you know, Maverick's a righteous dude, you know, that, that kind of thing, kind of, kind of that dynamic, you know, kind of like the good cop to the, to John Hamm's, uh, bad cop. Um, Ed Harris, uh, shows up. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if it's a cameo, but like, if it counts as a cameo, but like he, um, he shows up at a certain stage of the movie and his, uh, he, he is there to play Admiral Grizzle Hardapple. Um, and he, I mean, he's just Ed Harris. He, he is awesome as the, as this, uh, this grizzled Admiral dude. Um, and yeah, I, I, I had no idea Ed Harris was going to be in the movie and I, uh, I, I thought it was great, um, uh, that, that he, uh, that he was able to show up. Um, I think part of the reason why I kind of wanted to, uh, go down the cast is because, I want to talk about Val Kilmer. Um, you see it in the trailer where it's like, uh, oh, Maverick, you, you've been called back into service um, because, uh, you know, Admiral Iceman uh, thinks you, you have something left to give to the Navy. And they gesture to a, a portrait on the wall of, uh, of Val Kilmer. Now, um, if you don't, know or aware, um, Val Kilmer has had a lot of health problems over the last several years. He, he's had throat cancer. He has, uh, he speaks through a voice box, you know, had like the, the tracheotomy, uh, surgery. So he's, um, you know, he's, he's, he's not, he's not in great shape. And, and, uh, prior to that, you know, he had, um, I, I don't know what kind of, uh, difficulties he had, but like, you know, dude was just looking really rough, you know, just like, you know, overweight and just bad looking and just, just in a really bad way. Um, so I was really nervous about Val Kilmer being included in this movie. It's like, what is that going to be? It's like, is what kind of dignity are we going to show this actor and this character? Or is this going to be one of those things where we're just, we're just trotting him out and it, and it's uncomfortable. Kind of like how, uh, Seacrest would drag out Dick Clark for those last couple new year's rock and eves before, uh, before he passed away. Um, you know, where it's like sad more than, more than anything. Um, and I had seen an interview with Tom Cruise talking about how that scene that he did with Val Kilmer was very emotional and called it kind of like the emotional heart of the movie and which in a sense made me more nervous. It's like, what is this going to be? So I, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to talk about exactly what it is, but I will confirm that in that it is, it, it's a great scene and the, uh, they handled it as best as they could have. Um, it's, um, appropriate, it's tasteful, 
and and it's a really good moment between those two characters. Um, so I I was pleased that I was not disappointed and that my fears were kind of um, unfounded about um, uh, uh, my nervousness about about that scene and how Val Kilmer was going to be uh, portrayed. I again very tasteful, very well done. Um, so with, uh, with regards to the, the actual movie, um, you know, it's, I, I, I'm not sure what else to say. I mean, it, it is a, it, it feels very throwbacky in that it, it feels like the sequel to Top Gun that they would have made in 1992 instead of 2022. Um, and I say that affectionately because it has... It has that throwbacky aesthetic to it. Um, the special effects are incredible. The uh, the air combat scenes are really very good. And again, maybe like I maybe it's my my science fiction uh, comic book uh, uh, cape fatigue. But I'm glad that we're like actual fighter planes and not spaceships and and laser guns. There's no blue laser. There there's no uh, computer generated gleep glop creatures. Um, I'm sure there was an extensive use of uh, CGI, whereas in the in the original movie it was more models. But it it, it has a a tangible realism to it that that I really appreciated. Um, but I, I think I, I think I dropped this thread earlier talking about who this movie is for. This movie is for folks that grew up with Top Gun and had affection to it. Uh, you'll not be disappointed um, unless you want to be super nit- nitpicky about um, plot contrivances, which I I personally uh, just uh, just delighted in. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a sec. But I think this is also a movie. For oh, th- this is what I meant to get at when I was talking about you can bring your kids to it. Like I have a buddy of mine who loves Top Gun, and like he would show it to his kids when they were young. So now that the kids are older and Top Gun has been a part of their lives, they are going to this new movie together, and I think that's very sweet, and I think that's pretty cool. What I don't know is if this is for, um the the folks that expect more from movies. What I mean by that is like fans of the Marvel movies and the DC movies and and all of these high concept science fiction movies. I don't know what the appetite is for younger audiences and younger by mean like teenagers and maybe even folks in their twenties. Um, you know, I I don't I don't I don't know if there's an appeal here. I hope there is because there there is a uh, buzz and a hype for this movie. Like um, I I missed the early press screening that was like two weeks ago, um, and when when Lucky asked me what I thought of the movie when she saw me the next day after the press screening I just attended, I was like, um, well. I know you and I are going this weekend. We're, we're going this weekend, so I'm going to see it twice. Uh, it tells you what I think of it. Um, but she asked me what I thought, and I was like, I wish I would have gone to the early press screening two weeks ago. That way I could have gone to this one and seen it with you, uh, seeing it three times in two weeks. I like it that much. Um, 
but it's it's projected to bring in a hundred million dollars this weekend, um, which would be the biggest opening for a Tom Cruise movie ever. And um, I, I kind of hope that happens because th- what that would tell me is that there's still an appetite for um, less fantastical IP and for kind of a a grounded traditional action movie. Um, so that's who the movie is for, I hope. But um, I couldn't get out of here without talking about um, uh, kind of kind of um, again. I, I'm I'm not spoiling anything, but like you know, I've talked about this movie in like hushed tones and kind of like being reverential about it. And you know, I, I've I've skirted against the line of saying, "Oh, well, this is a movie for grown-ups." It's not. This is a movie for teenagers, um, or teenagers of the '80s, or or teenagers at heart, because like, um, for the most part, it is a a. Um, it, it's very similar to the first one. Um, you know, it's kind of like grounded and realistic, but still kind of fantastical. But the thing that I appreciated about this movie, and I think this is that's going to divide fans a bit, is at a certain point in the movie, it kind of untethers from a tangible reality and just is over the top and bug nuts crazy, both in uh, developments of the plot and contrivances and what happens. and And it just, it's like... The movie has the opportunity to end no fewer than three different times, and then it just doesn't. Um, I, I've referred to the climax of this movie as the fourth act of the movie, because the movie ends, and then if you, uh, if you were watching it on streaming, you would pause it, and you would see that there's still a half hour left of the movie, and it is bug nuts crazy, balls to the wall action, and it, uh, um, it, it, it gives you what you want. Um, again, I was, I was hopping up and down, excited in my seat. Um, I went with a couple guys from work and I teased them about, um, cause I've, I've been, I don't think the three of us have gone together, but like I've gone with them separately and both of them are, are chitter chatterers. You know, it's like, you know, something you know, just, just chittering. And, um, my wife, uh, lucky she has like a zero tolerance, uh, for, for talking in the movie. So she and I are like dead silent. We'll exchange each other looks or maybe like I'll, I'll squeeze her knee or something. If like something uh, especially exciting happens, but, um, but yeah, we, we don't, we don't chitter. We are a zero tolerance, uh, household on that. But, um, but anyway, so I've teased my friends from work, about the chit chit chattering. And, but I was so excited by what was happening in Top Gun Maverick. It it basically becomes Star Wars. And I, 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 I don't know if that's a spoiler. So I, I, uh, my apologies if it is, but like it kind of takes on the vibe and feel and, and, um, uh, you know, it's, it it becomes Star Wars. I'm, I'm just gonna leave it there, but I get so excited that like I am, I'm turning. I sat in the middle. I I start chittering with with my one friend. Then I turn my head and I start chatting with uh, the other guy, and um, 
when we got to work the next day, I, I pulled them both aside. I'm like, guys, I owe you an apology. Um, and they both look at me very puzzled. I was like, you know, for I, I am always teasing you guys about uh, uh, chittering during the movie. And and then look what happened. I pulled a Harvey Dent. You know, you either you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. And I and and they both laughed at me and it was all all in good nature and good fun. But that's that's how excited I got watching the movie. Like I had like an actual um, reaction to it where I was I was just hopping up and down in my seat and, and I just had an absolute blast go see it, go see it in the biggest possible screen you can, because the, the, um, fighter jet scenes, both in and out of the con uh, cockpit, um, are optimized for IMAX. Uh, we saw it in a IMAX and I, I don't know if where you live, if you have a real IMAX, like here in Seattle, we have the Pacific Science Center that has a true IMAX. Like it's like the giant screen that you have, that, you know, is, is very immersive. Um, but most, most towns have, you know, they call it IMAX, but it's just kind of like a slightly larger screen. Regardless, still worth it, worth it for the visual spectacle of it. This is why we go to the movies. Um, I don't think it's going to feel the same if you watch it on TV when, when it drops on the Paramount Plus, which I think it's, it's going to drop in like 45 days. I think it's a very short window, but, but, Part of the reason why I wanted to do this review is to say, go see it, go see it with a crowd. Um, uh, I, I love going to uh, early promotional screenings because they're they're packed and you get a good crowd. So there there was like a lot of cheering and woohooing and applauding, and there were times where I felt like the guy from those uh, progressive insurance commercials about uh, uh, young homeowners becoming their parents. I, it's like, you know, nobody who made the movie is, is here, but, um, but it, it's, it, it's great fun. And if you have any degree of uh, affection for Top Gun, you won't be disappointed. If you've never seen Top Gun, you're okay. It gives you everything you need. And, um, and, and it's, and it's just, it's just uh, uh, great fun. Um, and I think that's about all I got. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to all my past shows, you know, you, you, you know where to find me. Uh, but, uh, but also uh, check out my YouTube channel. I've, uh, you know, that's where like my live stream videos live. And if you like the podcast, you might like the uh, uh, live stream as well. But I am going to get out of here. I need to go to work. Um, so yeah, uh, um, I, I'm trying to think of a, a Maverick-like sign-off, but um, anyway, this is, uh, uh, my name is Mike, this has been Mike Cyber Radio, and until next time, make good choices. Okay, snacks and popcorn are going to be expensive. Let's just accept that. Going to the movies can be a lot for young homeowners turning into their parents. Bathrooms. Even if you don't have to go, you should try. We all know where the bathroom is and how to use it, okay? You know, the Stevensons told me they saved money bundling their boat insurance with Progressive. No one knows who those people are. It can be painful. Hand me your coats. There's an extra seat right here. No, 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 no. We don't need a coat wrangler. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home auto and more with us. No one who made the movies here. Okay. Okay. And, and so, um, now that, that I've kind of drifted into 
accidental spoiler territory. I, I do want to share one thing, and it's it's very very silly, but uh, it, it's it's not really a spoiler. But like, okay, so uh, in in Top Gun the first, you know, uh, Goose's son has a uh, Starscream action figure. You know, so he, so he's got a he's got a transformer. And I, I am sad to report, and again, it's a bit of a spoiler, but um, the Starscream does not make an appearance. Uh, the, the, the Starscream action figure does not make an appearance in Top Gun Maverick. But I will say, though, that, um, again, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it, but there, but there is like one maneuver that a, a enemy fighter jet does where I swear as it as it does it it was about to change into a giant robot like uh it kind of reminded me of something out of uh the 2007 uh uh Transformers movie and I thought that that enemy jet was going to change into Starscream and start going after Top Gun Maverick <laughs> Scream! 